0: All right, good morning everyone. As I'm uh, moving on over here, getting myself set up, I want to remind everyone to take a look at your bulletin, check out the events that are going on uh, in church uh, today. Uh, specifically, want to highlight the New Year's Eve drop-in party that's going on today. I know that that's going to be a huge party because I've seen Pastor Corey dance. Have you seen the moves on that guy? It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, I've never actually seen Pastor Corey dance, but I know he's got moves. So please try to make an effort to come out. I know it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I also want to draw your attention to if you're attending uh, our church for uh, the first time or you've been here before, uh, to take a look at the connection card. It's, it's not like a thicker... Uh, cardstock in the pew in front of you, uh, you know, please take a moment to uh, fill that in and, and, and connect with us. This is just one way uh, that you can get plugged into the ministries and things that we have going on at the church. So please take time to do that. I think it's blue. Yes? Okay. I don't, I don't know. I think it's blue. Um, and before I go on, uh, I'd like to call Darren Kishimoto up. He's got a special announcement.
1: morning. Um, I just wanted to make a pitch actually for a course that's taking place at um, Evergreen San Gabriel Valley. So Evergreen is about 10 minutes away in La Puente, Um, but in the new year they're starting a course on January 7th, so it's actually starting next Sunday. Um, But it's the course and you'll see there's an announcement in the bulletin. It's called Perspectives. And uh, I know there's a few people in our congregation, uh, JR included, who have taken this course and I took it last year and I just wanted to plug this course. Um, it was really uh, eye-opening for me and, and like the title says, it really changes my, uh, changed my perspective on what God is doing in the world around us. And so we know God is at work in our congregation, in our church. Um, this I think gives a view to what is God doing at work in the world around us. Some people think of it as a missions type course and it definitely um, is along those lines. But I think it's really about discipleship and understanding what is the role we play as Christians in God's plan and purpose. And God has a plan to bless the world and bless all nations and all peoples. And we're a part of that. And so um, you'll see the announcement. It's a 15-week course. It, and, um, but uh, on the first, the first Sunday, the first course that they have, January 7th, if you're at all interested, um, they let people come to the course and, and just listen and see what it's about and get an understanding um, without having signed up, and then determine whether you, you, you want to participate. So if you're interested at all, again, this is at Evergreen um, Baptist Church and uh, in La Puente, and it's gonna be, the class is going to be held on Sunday afternoons. So next Sunday, um, it starts at 1.30. And I have brochures. Um, And if you're just at all interested, please talk to me, and uh, I can share more information with you. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Darren. Uh, Yeah, like Darren said, I've taken that course at the risk of sounding like a broken record. It really is an excellent course. It's worth your time. Um, You really do learn a lot. Um, So I think that's very exciting. All right, so with all those kind of announcements out of the way, Uh, I should probably introduce myself to you if you don't know me. Obviously, I'm not Pastor Cory, and I'm not Pastor Steve. Uh, uh, My name is J.R. Hun. Uh, I was invited by um, Pastor Cory to speak today, and so it's a great, uh, stressful, uh, very humbling honor uh, for me to be before you today, and to be able to share the word with you this morning. So I'd like to start out this morning Uh, by reading Jeremiah chapter 31, 31 through 34. You can open your pew Bible to page 660 if you don't have one, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. Jeremiah chapter 31, 31 through 34 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, Because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. Let's pray. God, our Father, we come to you today as a family, a church family, um, and as a church to celebrate who you are, to look at what you have done for us and through us God, we pray that you would give us wisdom as we look into your word today. Help me to speak truth. Um, I am a weak vessel, God, so fill me and fill us. Give us the humility to not just look into your word, but be transformed by it. Um, So renew our minds this day, God. We humbly ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I am probably... I'm not the best person to be giving a sermon on New Year's Eve, it's just, its not I'm just not the best person, in all honesty, Uh, because, you know, a lot of us are thinking of parties, we're going to be getting together with people, with family, and some of you, uh, maybe raise your hand if you have a list of New Year's resolutions, or you have some New Year's resolutions that you want to do. Is anyone anyone doing New Year's resolutions this year? Hey, oh, okay, we've got, there's at least one person. Here, who's, who's doing it? The rest of you are like me. Um, you know, where I, I never really was into making New Year's resolutions. And I can pinpoint, there's a very specific time when uh, I just was like, nope, I'm not doing them anymore. You know, this is like 10 years ago, I, I made a, uh, a fitness resolution. You know, I wanted to, to get, you know, just more in shape. Uh, and I wanted to just, you know, get stronger and all that stuff and so I committed to my resolution was I'm gonna go through this uh, exercise program it's a DVD exercise program that's called P90X has anyone heard of this has anyone heard of P90X okay I see some people nodding their heads and some people laughing because you know <laughs> the X in P90X is for extreme <laughs> okay and I remember I, I I was I was doing okay and there's the I remember the specific day when my resolution died <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, I, um, I was doing, and you, you, every day you do a different type of exercise, right? And so the one day, uh, it was this exercise called plyometrics, and, and it sounds really fancy, probably a scientist came up with it, but really it's uh, jumping for 45 minutes, right? <laughs> like just all the ways that you can, like, like, be jumping, and you're just doing that constantly. And after 25 minutes uh, of doing that, I had to stop. I remember stopping, I was drenched in sweat, uh, and I was, I, I was nauseous. I was ready to lose my lunch. That's how tired I was. And I wasn't, like, I wasn't out of shape, like, totally. I, I ran track. I ran cross country. Like, you know, I, I've done some things. Um, but, you know, what, what made me feel worse as I was, like, kind of just sitting there, sweat pouring off my face was I would look at the video, and there's this guy who's in it, I, I'm, I, maybe you can see my pointer, right? But he has one leg. This is a prosthetic leg here. And this guy with one leg is just jumping without, he doesn't look tired at all, he's just going. And some of you may find that inspiring, <laughs> deeply inspiring, and you're like, wow, if he can do it with one leg, I could do it too. No. <laughs> That was not for me. <laughs> I, I looked at this guy with one leg who was jumping for 45 minutes straight, and I said, you, sir, you've achieved a plane of fitness that I can never attain to. <laughs> and I never, finished, I never finished that series. <laughs> okay. But today, as we consider 2017 and you know our, the successes, the highs and the lows, failures of this year, and we look forward to 2018, I'd like to propose, as a church, we come together and revisit a different type of resolution and never again speak of my failed fitness resolutions. Never. Um, Because I think that there are some valuable truths that we can learn today or be reminded of. So here's my big idea statement for today. This is something that I think overarches everything that I want to say. And today that's, that God's unfailing resolutions to his people will humble, encourage, and challenge us to move forward in 2018 in faith. That God's unfailing resolutions to his people humble, encourage, and challenge us to move forward in 2018 in faith. Now, I know I opened with reading Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, but to really understand that verse and appreciate it, we have to go back further. We have to go deeper and, um, to appreciate that verse in its broader biblical context. So if you can join me in turning to Genesis 15, um, go ahead and turn over there right now. Ooh, I need that. <coughs> and this is a part in Genesis 15 We touch on the story of Abram, one of the most significant figures and patriarchs in biblical history. So, if you aren't familiar with Abram, uh, I want to try to get us up to speed before we we go into this verse. Abram is a man, much like us, who's been called by God to leave his home on the promise that God would one day make a great nation of him and his family for the blessing of the world. But Abram is nervous. Okay, when we get to Genesis 15, Abram's a little bit nervous. This, you have to kind of get yourself in his, in his mind where he's at. Okay, this is a person who has left behind his family. He has left behind his property, his home. He has left behind his land and his culture. Everything that he was familiar with, everything that would give him a sense of purpose, a sense of identity, his support structure, he's left all of that behind. If you're a first-generation immigrant, or you know someone who is a first-generation immigrant, you may be able to empathize a little bit with how he might have felt. Imagine going through this holiday season without your family, or without a home, in a strange place, a sense of not belonging, or feeling unmoored, feeling lonely, or isolated. And Why would Abram do this? Why would he... Why would he sacrifice and leave all of these things behind? Well, remember, God made a unique promise to Abram. He says, if you follow me, Abram, I will make you a great nation. Except at this point in the story, 10 years have passed since God made that initial promise to Abram. And there's no sign of God's promise coming true. Abram, like how can God, like God's promise, I'm going to make you a great nation, Abram, Well, Abram's like, well, that's great, I believe you, but it's been 10 years. I have no children. How can I be a great nation if I have no children of my own? Abram is 75 years old, and his wife is 65 at this point. So you can kind of begin to understand a little bit of of where Abram's at and how he's feeling. You know, when Susan and I were first talking about having children... Um, you know, we, we found that for us, we struggled to conceive for a year. Um, and the first few months were okay. Um, you know, I feel like my, our faith in the Lord was more or less unchanged as we received our first initial set of negative test results. You know, you see the pregnancy test, and it's negative. And, you know, we're like, okay, it's okay. You know, we're, we're going to keep going with this. But as the months went on, uh, and more and more uh negative tests came you know i th- I felt like it actually began to take a toll on us. We began to feel kind of discouraged. I began to doubt, well, you know maybe it's not in the cards for us to have children of our own, and what joy we felt when a year into trying and on the brink of giving up um, that God provided for us, Amelia um, and you know, one year was difficult for, for me. You know, I was at a place. After a year of just not getting an answer, not getting the thing that you know, I had hoped and been praying for, um, yeah. and I can't imagine being in Abram's shoes and going 10 years without seeing a sign and eventually 25 years before he had the son that was promised. So Abram's nervous. His future is in doubt. And it's into this moment that God enters in Genesis 15. So go ahead and follow along along with me with Genesis 15, 1 through 6. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram said, Behold, you have you've given me no offspring. He's repeating himself. And a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he, Abram, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now before we even get to the resolution God makes towards Abram, he reassures Abram and addresses Abram's fear, his nervousness, his anxiety. That brings us to our first point uh, that I wanted to bring up today, is that wherever we are at, God knows and empathizes with us. That wherever we're at, God knows and empathizes with us. God takes time, like the God of the universe takes time to comfort and empathize with Abram. He acknowledges as important the condition of Abram's heart before he moves on to action. Abram's not a superhero or superhuman. He's a man. He has fears, hopes, dreams, and this is true of all people in the Bible Knowing this, God acknowledges and validates Abram's state. He says, Don't be afraid. Abram, I know how you are feeling. And you have to note that Abram never turned to God and said, Hey, God, I'm afraid. Please comfort me. No, no, no. God just knew. He knew that what God was, or he knew what Abram was feeling. Now, how comforting is that for us today? That he knows your state. He knows my state. He knows all of our unspoken hurts and disappointments and joys and sorrows. And for every person who said something earlier, you know, when Pastor Corey was um, leading that time of sharing, um, you know, there are many people in here who have unspoken things, things that are not spoken, but he, the Lord, knows. And until whatever state you're in, He says to you, Taishi, do not worry. Renee, do not be afraid. Shori, don't be lonely. Because I am with you, and I will make it right. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but I will make it right. Things will not always be this hard or this broken. And so we take great comfort in knowing that God knows us, and he empathizes with us. Now, after addressing and acknowledging Abram's state, God moves on to solidify or ratify a new resolution or covenant with Abram. To take the words of comfort that he offered to Abram and to make them concrete. Now, this leads us to the second point we're going to get to, which is God's resolutions to his people stand alone. When God enters the picture with Abram, he makes a special resolution or covenant with Abram. This is very important. So let's go ahead and read Genesis 15, 7 through 11. Starting at verse 7, it says, And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out, of, who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer, that's three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. And he brought them all these, cut them in half, laid each half over against the other. But he didn't cut the birds in half, very important detail. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So let's talk about a covenant. Okay. In ancient Near Eastern culture, a covenant was defined as a formal covenant. Binding agreement between two or more parties. It's an agreement that's mutually agreed upon concerning the conduct of these parties. And this agreement is sealed by an oath or a ritual. Okay, now when I'm saying sealed, you just kind of imagine like a, a contract, a legal contract that you might sign today, right? And when you seal it, you're, you're signing it. It's like your signature. You know, when you sign a contract, that's when you know, okay, it's legit, your name's on it, you gotta follow through on the contract. Okay. And so the way that these agreements, these covenants were sealed, was through this this, uh, taking of an oath or or, um, a ritual that was done. And so for this ritual of this covenant, I'm going to read a quote from a Bible dictionary. It's Erdman's Bible Dictionary, and it describes the sealing of a covenant in this way. It says, a common custom was the cutting of sacrificial animals into pieces, and after those animals were cut lengthwise and the pieces of meat placed opposite one another, the participants, so you've got, you're to have to use your imagination, okay, you've got, like, the animals are being cut and the participants, um, and it's kind of, they're all side by side, and, and the, the participants walk through the middle of these pieces, symbolizing that whoever would break the agreement or break the covenant would be cut like the animals that they're walking through. Okay, so it's, it's actually, I, I, I thought about putting up like, a depiction of this, I was like, no, 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 no like, that might be a little bit much for everyone. But I actually think it's very important for us to understand that it is a graphic scene, to try to visualize it, because it's important. Um, it, it goes into what we need to learn about a covenant. Okay, and you have to imagine you know, a cow, Okay, it's three years old, it's at least 1,000 pounds, a goat that's at least 300 pounds, a ram that's at least 200 pounds, turtle and pigeon, okay, we don't have to worry about how much they weigh. Okay. But that is at least 1,500 pounds of animal cut up into large pieces and laid side by side. And that's a tremendous amount of blood and, and just guts and, and just fat and organs. And, and it's, it's gross, it's a grotesque image. And in a traditional cutting of a covenant, each party walks through the trough, right? That's formed through it, and they walk through it. And you can imagine, you know, they're, they're walking through barefoot. They're walk, they're wearing robes, and so blood and and flies are just getting all over their feet, right? And it's a grim image. You will never forget it. I wasn't going to tell this story, but when I was younger, I remember, um, I was like a, I was I was a young child. And I remember my dad. Um, he got a goose from somewhere. I think it might have been a park. I don't know. I remember he got a goose, right, and um, he brought it home, and I thought, this goose is going to be my friend. It's going to be great. I'm going to have like a goose as a pet. No, the goose was actually dinner, and I remember when he uh, you know, he chopped the, the head off of this goose, and you know the goose was running around, floods going everywhere, right and the blood's on me. And I, was, I was like, ah, I'm, I'm never gonna forget this. I'm traumatized. I've never forgotten that image. Right? I've never forgotten that moment in time, because it, it was so. I mean, as a kid, I was like, whoa, this is this is a lot. Okay, but that's kind of the point. You know, of this of the graphic nature of this cutting of a covenant. is that you don't forget when you make this agreement, and you know how serious it is when you make this agreement. You know, this idea that, hey, if I am making this agreement, if I'm coming into this covenant and I walk through it, if I don't uphold it, you know, I'm saying I should be cut up like these animals. Uh, You know, a Christian wedding ceremony is probably one of the most relatable examples of covenant making in modern day life. Uh, This month, my wife Susan and I celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary, and I am so, so humbled uh, and thankful for her in my life. Um, She truly is my better half. It's always fun to look back at pictures and remember the vows we made, the witnesses present, you know, and walking down the aisle. Now, I just might just say, to up the ante of increasing the seriousness of a wedding ceremony, have you ever considered uh, the carcasses of animals on the sides of the aisle as you walk down to to really make it a lot more serious? It probably wouldn't make for very good photos. (laughs) Or it would make for very good photos. I don't know. So Abraham does as God asks. He prepares and butchers the animals required. And if you were an ancient person following the story, you would be wrapped up in Abram's story. You would be like, what is going to happen? What would Abram be expected to do as a participant in this covenant? Could he live up to it? Will he be torn in two? Like, what's going to happen? A- and what happens next, if you were an ancient person hearing this story, what happens next in the story would blow your minds. It would completely obliterate everything that you understood. And it should blow our minds, too. And so let's go on. We're going to read Genesis 15, uh, verse 12, and then 17 through 18. So after all this is done, right, you've got this grim image, right, of these animals. It says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, the smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Did you notice something uh, interesting about this? That Abram doesn't walk through. Normally, right, all the parties involved will walk through. The only person to walk through is God. God himself manifests as this smoking fire pot and flaming torch, and he walks through the covenant-sealing ritual alone. Not Abram. Abram's asleep. God made him fall asleep. God cuts a covenant with Abram, but God assumes the responsibility and the consequences of ensuring the covenant's upheld. He walks through... The blood, the guts, the entrails, the flies. God walks through it. And that would blow our minds. This would be a bombshell to ancient readers. They would be accustomed to this idea that gods have to be appeased. We people, we have to work, we have to please, we have to satiate the gods, their requirements. And this idea is revolutionary even today. In popular thought, most people think, That religions are comprised of rules to follow, regulations to abide by, rituals that we have to complete. The idea that we need to burn enough incense, say enough prayers, pay enough money to please the gods is an ancient but still relevant idea today. But following the Lord totally blows up that notion. With God, he himself puts himself on the line for us. He will follow the rules and the regulations. He will complete the rituals in god-smacking, human-defying, logic-defying moment. God's message to Abraham is clear. He says to Abram, the upholding of this covenant does not depend on you. You did not and cannot uphold it, but I will. Though I owe you nothing and you owe me everything, I will put myself on the line for you. And all you need to do is trust me. Has anyone heard of the, uh, it, it's, a very, it's a very popular poem. It's called Footprints. I feel like I've seen it in like a, a thousand bathrooms, you know, like, <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, I, It's a very nice poem. If you've never heard of this poem and you know, it's got this nice image of, we can put that up, of like you know, footprints in the sand at a beach uh, it's very calming and this poem basically you know there's an author and the author says oh like you know i had a dream and i was walking on the beach and there are two sets of footprints in the sand and i'm remembering the, the author's remembering everything that's happened in their life but in the difficult times in the author's life the poet says but there's only one set of footprints when i went through difficult times like god you know, where were your footprints where were you and in the poem, uh, you know, they say, well, God turns to the poet and says, well, those are the times when I carried you, right? And so it's a, it's a beautiful sentiment, okay? uh, But I would like to uh, say that, uh, and this may ruin your, don't, don't take down your footprints poems, okay, if you have them up. Okay, I like to say, though, that that's a little inaccurate, okay, this idea that there are two sets of footprints, Because when we look at what we've seen of how God sealed his covenant with Abram, there, there were never two sets of footprints. There was only one set of footprints, and it's always been the Lord's, because he was the one who walked through that covenant sealing process alone. He is the one who is carrying us from the beginning all the way to the end. There's only one set of footprints, and it's his. And that's what being a believer is about. So you may be thinking, this is a nice story, Jared. The story is for Abram. It's not for me. God knows Abram. God upheld Abram. Abram's a great guy. How does this come back to me? Contrary to popular opinion, the Old Testament is not predominantly represented by a God of wrath. He is, in fact, the same God of the New Testament, a God of mercy and of justice and of grace. And all of these things foreshadow something greater, the greater covenant. So let's go back to Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34 again. It's page 660 in your pew Bible. I didn't forget that I opened up with that verse. (laughs) And, And it says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. One day, a man was born to a virgin woman. He would live without sin, be called the spotless lamb. He would share with his disciples that he was establishing a new covenant, but his followers would abandon him. They would even fall asleep in his last hours. And he would walk alone to establish this new covenant. But this time, it was not sealed in the blood and the gore of animals, right? but it was sealed in the blood of the Son of God himself. He would be both the sacrifice and the one walking through the covenant ritual. And though not a single one of us who is party to this covenant has kept up its stipulations, namely to be without sin, it is not us who is torn or beaten or bloodied. The new covenant is to not just the, the descendants of Abram, but to Jew and Gentile, slave and free, young and old, rich and poor, black and white, all of us. This is a covenant where we can know God and be known by God. So this brings us to my last point, which is that Jesus is our, the ultimate and final covenant maker. Our covenant relationship with Jesus is one that he initiated, he has provided the sacrifice for, he is upholding and will uphold for all eternity. Our covenant with Jesus is binding it's a contract. It's final. It will never fail, because we didn't lock it. He did. For those of us in this room who are followers of Jesus, we are effectively in a marriage covenant with him, one that he knows. Sometimes our love for him may flicker or dim, but he will be faithful for. He will uphold it. For everyone who, like Abram, believes that God will uphold his promise to us, He swears that he will know us and he will forgive our sins. The new covenant we have with Jesus is the best resolution to have ever been made in history. And for every single time that you or I are discouraged in your walk with the Lord, every time you feel like you've disappointed him, you feel like you've fallen short, each time you must return to the image of God himself sealing this new covenant for you for me because in our place he was broken and so we are humbled and we must be encouraged and we must rejoice and sing and follow him anew because this is the gospel the gospel is not just and the new covenant is not just the means by which we're saved it is the oxygen that we breathe to continue on in this journey of following christ So, have you ever considered your relationship with God as one that's in a covenant? This might be a new idea to you. Have you ever thought of your relationship with Jesus as one that is binding, that is not primarily upheld by you, but one that is primarily upheld by Him? If you aren't in a relationship with Jesus, have you ever considered that Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you? so much that he would seal a new covenant in his own blood for you? Does this idea convict you, encourage you, or challenge you? In closing, I've been trying to think of um, why this particular message meant so much to me. Um, why, and why did God put it on my heart to speak at all? It's such a stressful uh, thing. <laughs> And why to speak on Genesis 15? Like I said in the beginning, I'm not the most gung-ho resolution guy. If you want tips on fitness or sticking to resolutions, you should talk to Pastor Corey. He's the guy. Or Brian Quach. I don't think he's here. He's also he's ambitious, that guy. You should talk to them. Okay, they're the guys you should talk to. No, don't talk to me. Okay. But you know this year, there have been several points where close friends of mine have come to me and asked me how I'm doing. And... More often than not, I've responded to them that I'm doing OK, that I feel a little bit beaten up, and I feel like this year's kind of beaten me up a bit. I'm tired. Um, you know I still have my faith in the Lord. It's not shaken. Um, but you know, it just feels like it's been a tough year. Um, I've had a more demanding work and travel schedule. Um, Susan's pregnancy has been a source of joy, but also of change and challenge. My mother had hip surgery. In October, I suddenly lost feeling in half my face, thought I was having a stroke. Um, fortunately, I got a CT scan, and um, I was cleared of that as I, I was diagnosed with Bell's palsy, uh, which is a temporary paralysis of the face. You know, that, and it's much better than having a stroke, but it was just one more thing. And, and finally, all the numerous challenges um, that my father-in-law Chris struggled with with his health, Um, over the course of the year and his eventual passing in November. I think this message means a lot to me because it reminds me of basic truths, that I am known by God more deeply and truly than I even know myself, that he has a deep love and empathy for me, and finally that he has sacrificed everything to have a relationship with me in a covenant that is upheld by Christ. I don't deserve it, I haven't earned it, but he has done it. And he will continue to uphold me and my family through thick and thin until we see him and Chris and all others that we love in Christ again. And so it's this covenantal love that God has for me and he has for us that I hope will urge us on in 2018 to loving God more deeply and truly and fully. And so I hope that in looking at God's unfailing resolutions to us, that he has humbled us and convicted us, encouraged us, and challenged us to look forward to 2018 with hope and anticipation. Let's pray. God, we sit here before you humbled and amazed at what you've done for us, that you know us, you know every person in this room more deeply and more truly than we know ourselves. You know our joys and our sorrows from this year. You know our hopes and our fears for 2018. God, establish us, as the psalmist says, like a tree planted by streams of water whose roots rest in your strong covenantal promises to us. We ask this in Jesus' strong and unfailing name. Amen.